Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington and Harriet Saunders with you for the latest edition of Unstoppable, the podcast. Now this podcast is all about looking at the things that are holding you back in life and in your career and helping you to unlock your potential. Hey Harriet. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Awesome. Now last time we talked about confidence in conflict and compassionate curiosity. So if you haven't tuned into that one, it is definitely worthwhile. Go back and have a listen. Today we're going to talk about something very interesting, the Persilience Project. Now, what on earth does persilience mean? It's a bit of a ridiculous word. Um, It's a word that my son made up when he was asked by his teacher, what is one of the most important life skills? And my son said, it's being persilient. And she said, what on earth is persilient? And he said, oh, wait, no, I think I've got the name wrong. (laughs) And when asked to explain, he said, you know, it's like when you're really resilient and persistent. And when he told me the story, I just thought it was the best. It's great. Invented smush word. And so it's now a thing. Um, So it comes really from persistent is self-explanatory. It means the ability to sort of continue on and not give up and persist no matter what, you know, the continue on the road, no matter how many bumps and potholes there are. And that is such an important skill. And it's like a muscle that you have to keep on exercising, right? It's a muscle you have to flex. Persilience, uh, wait, I just said the wrong one. Persistence (laughs) is not something that you kind of are born capable of necessarily. And it's combined with the word resilience. Now, resilience in the dictionary is defined as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulty. And in an object, it's described as the ability to spring back into shape. So elasticity. So imagine a stress ball, you Mm. squeeze it down and it boings back up. It that's, boings back up. It boings. Boings a thing. Yeah, yeah boing. Right. Um, and that's resilience. And so it's that ability to recover from difficulty and keep going is mm-hmm. persilience. And so off the back of my son inventing this word, I was like, there is more to this concept. <laughs> um, I can see a workshop coming on. I, I, I feel the need for a workshop <laughs> or some kind of thing. Um, and so at one of our recent conferences, um, I ran a workshop called the Persilience Project. And what was really interesting was, it was probably the most personal and vulnerable of any workshop I've ever done. Like it wasn't necessarily theory. It was genuinely what I believe I've learned in my life about how to be persilient. And I'm pretty bloody persilient. Persilient, you are. I am am just a little. And I have to say it went over very well. It went over very well. We got a lot of feedback and I think people felt genuinely like, I don't know, that each of them could relate to it in a different way. And I guess the, the Persilience Project that we call it is something that we've kind of managed to define that there are sort of six core lessons that you need to learn to develop persilience, you know, resilience and persistence in life. And as you identified, it, these are lessons and muscles that we have to flex and learn. We won't always get them right. Sometimes you'll be like, yes, I, I really recovered quickly from that pothole in the road or that trip hazard, you know, because that's what life's like. It's like being on a road and sometimes it's uphill and it's hard work and then sometimes it's downhill and you're like, this is awesome. And then you fall over. Yeah, but just you can't expect it to always be good. So lesson number one is about circles of control. Tell me what you mean by that. Right. So in this theory that I have in my head, um, the first lesson I think I learned when it came to developing persistence and resilience, you know, I wasn't like I wasn't born into a really challenging life, but I definitely had a very tough childhood. And that childhood ended with, um, I say ended, my mum passed away when I was really young. And it was kind of like a really big moment in my life where I had to 
recover from it and continue to move forward despite only being a teenager when it happened. Um, Because you had a younger brother that you needed to take care of, right? I did. So I was 19 when my mum died um, and my brother was only 13 and I needed to take care of him as well. We needed to take care of each other, but we didn't have family. So it was just the three of us. So when my mum passed away, there was this moment of like, I actually can't be defeated by this and I actually can't wallow in it either. I'm going to have to recover. And the mindset tool that I engaged with, and it was fluke, I don't know where it came from, was I made a list of everything that I could control about the situation and everything I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I threw away the piece of paper that I couldn't control. So the things that I couldn't control was that I didn't have any other family around, that my mum had passed away, that my brother was not old enough to be independent yet. And then on the list of things I could control was I don't have any money and I need to finish my degree and I don't have a job. And, you know, to some extent, I'm sad. I can control that. And what I got razor sharp focused on was that list of things I could control. And so I walked into a real estate office in London and said to the principal, hey, give me a job. I can do this standing on my head with all the blind confidence of a 19-year-old with blue eyes and long hair. And he said, I'll tell you what, here's a call list. If you can get something off this call list, I'll give you a job. And I did. So I got a job and I, you know, my brother finished school and I finished my degree and we survived. And we only survived because we had this focus on the things that we could control. Now, if I had focused all of my frustration and anger around the things I couldn't control, It's the emotional equivalent of banging your head against a wall. Being Mm -hmm. upset that my mum died, as much as it's okay to be upset, if that becomes my focus, I'm not problem solving. And so the first lesson I learned in how to be resilient was 100% learning to focus on what you can control. And so if we look at that in a real estate context, for example, there's no point complaining about the economy or the interest rates. Are you going to say the market? The market. (laughs) Don't complain about the market. (laughs) So things that you can't control are the market. Um, you know, you can't control necessarily, well, you have an influence with your vote on the government that's elected in, but once it's there, you kind of, it's, it's outside of your control. It's sort of inside your sphere of influence vaguely. You, you can control your attitude to these things. So what you can do is go, what about this? Can I put a positive spin on? So rather than whinging about the market, why not focus on how do I build buyer confidence in current market conditions? Or how do I give my potential vendors confidence to come to market now rather than later? And what do I need to arm myself with in terms of research and knowledge to be compelling in that argument? Yep. So that's circles of control. Makes perfect sense. And lesson number two? Gratitude. That's a big one. Oh, this was huge. So gratitude for me, I actually didn't get really good at gratitude until, so I was like fully focused on what I could control at this point in my late teens, early 20s. But like, not particularly grateful. I was a bit like, oh man. This what have is I got a- to be grateful for? I've got this kid brother to look after. <laughs> yeah, no, I love my kid brother, but I was definitely not particularly grateful. I was in survival mode. Yep. And then I had kids of my own. And I got really grateful because I just had all of this love and happiness. And so we play, we've been doing um, the grateful game at my house since my children were honestly tiny, which is you sit around the dinner table every day at dinner time and you say three things you're grateful for today. They can be tiny. Like I'm grateful that, you know, I got to say something at school today, or I'm grateful that today we had a lolly, you know, in class or it can be tiny or it can be huge. It can be, I'm grateful for you, mum. 
you know, it can be massive or small. And it's just this exercise of like putting your attention at the end of the day to what you have achieved and giving yourself kudos for what you've achieved and being grateful. And we also do something called PGT. Which is? Personal gloat time. Oh, nice. Which is okay. at any point in my fa- in my little f- household, you're allowed to say, hey, I need a PGT. And that means everyone has to gather around and go, okay, we're ready. And then you go, guess what I did today? And then you're just allowed to have a little gloat. And then everyone has to go, wow, that's awesome. Well, like if you buy a new outfit, you know, that tends to be me, not my son. I was going to say, I can imagine your son's being really keen to see your new outfit. Yeah, but they have to because if I say PGT, it's a house rule. You've yeah. got to be grateful and you've got to give people PGT. You've got to let them build themselves up a little bit. You've got to get behind that. I, I must admit, I used to be one of those people that when I would hear about gratitude journals and all of those sorts of things, I would roll my eyes and think, oh, for God's sake. However, yeah, it actually, I went through a time in my life where things were tough and they're um, it was a bit like being on a roller coaster in the dark and not knowing when it was going to end. Mm. And I had to focus on the good things, whether it was just I'm grateful that the sun was shining today or I'm grateful for a strong scotch at the end of the day. Sometimes it oh sometimes it's I've I've had days that was were crap. We all have. Yeah. You know, there were days in the pandemic where I was like, I'm just glad today's over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful that I got to the end of today. And then I can go to bed soon. Yep. Sometimes it's that. It's simply, you know, you're grateful that a bad day ended. That's okay. It, does, it can be something tiny like the sun was shining. Yep. But it's funny how you can reframe your thoughts when you sit in that grateful space. Yep. Um, and how, you know, you can kind of call yourself out. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, so gratitude, if you haven't tried it, you definitely need to give that whole gratitude thing a whirl. We you can do. definitely recommend it. Now, above the line, this is something that we talk about endlessly. Well, it's just like Simmons. ram it down everyone's throat. Yeah, um, well, that might be it. So lesson number three is about being above the line. This lesson in my life, personally, I learned when I got made redundant and got divorced in the same week. It nice. was actually within 48 hours of each other. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, you know, Below the line is when somebody is living in blame, excuses, and denial. Above the line is when somebody is sitting in ownership, accountability, and responsibility. Now, we all know somebody or have interacted with somebody who's sitting below the line where they're just like, that's not my fault. I only did that because, but this is because of that, blah, 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 blah. Um, The trouble with being below the line is that the outcome you get is negative every single time, Mm -hmm. bar none, right? And- When you're above the line, whether the thing that's happening to you is positive or negative, if you sit in a space of ownership and accountability and responsibility, you will have a positive outcome. And I remember being made redundant and getting divorced, confidently getting divorced because I thought I had a great job with a steady income and then being made redundant and having two small children and going, wow. And really genuinely, I I went below the line for about a week with wine. With actually. Wine. And then um, I just sat there going, none of this is my fault, but I didn't, you know, it's, I, I couldn't control it. It's outside of my control that the company closed down. It's outside of my control 
you know, to some extent that I got divorced. I was being below the line. Um, but actually when I stopped and went, okay, but what can I take ownership of? I can take ownership of how much I learned in that job. I can be accountable for finding a new job. I can be responsible for whilst I have this time off, making sure I use it wisely to spend time with my children because of the divorce. And I can actually take a huge amount of ownership and accountability and responsibility for why I got divorced in the first place. Just having that conversation, even if it's just with yourself, just completely changes your mindset, right? It really does. And I've got this on my fridge at home, my poor children. Mm. Um, And I remember my son spilling Lego all over the floor and me going, clean your Lego up. And he goes, no. I didn't make the mess. I said, you did make the mess. Be above the line. And they know what that means. And he went, well, technically you made me and I made the mess. So technically you made the mess, which is, (laughs) so don't confuse below the line with being not very intelligent or being negative because my son's wildly intelligent, (laughs) clearly, and a very positive guy. So you can be smart and below the line. (laughs) But um, it really is about just reframing your approach. And I think when you do that, you find that everything that happens to you leads to a lesson and you feel like even when it's something bad that you've had something from it that allowed you to move forward with more tools in your toolkit to succeed. Yeah, because you've got to learn from the the bad stuff that happens. Otherwise, what's the point, right? It's 100% true. To move forward. Now, number four, um, Simon Sinek calls this um, your why. You call it your North Star. Having a North Star. Yeah. I think if you're going to try and develop resilience and persistence, or if you're listening to this and you're going through a really challenging time and you're trying to figure out, I guess, how to navigate your way out of of a challenge, Mm -hmm. the North Star concept or your why, it is an important thing to remind yourself. For me, it was a bit of a no-brainer through all the challenging times in my life. I always had my children, but it's, it's focusing on that as a North Star. So saying, rather than saying, I'm you know, a single working mom, I say, I'm setting a great example for my kids. And it's the reframing of the situation to drive towards your North Star. So I have children and that's my North Star, they're my why. And when you can remind yourself of that, whether it's the screensaver on your phone, I have a fridge magnet on my fridge, I have, it's the little reminders every day. And if you know what your North Star is, your North Star might be your family, your friends, your pets, your children, it might be your career. For, for a lot of people, the career is the North Star and it's, it's, there's no right or wrong in this space. It's whatever it is for you. If you can do well at the thing that is most important to you and prioritize it correctly, you will always feel like you're working towards the right thing. And I think that's incredibly important to navigate times of challenge. I mean, look at COVID. Mm-hmm. If anything refocused our North Star framework, it was that. Yeah, for sure. What's important. Yeah, focus on what's important. Beautiful. Number five, making mistakes. It's allowed, right? It's more than allowed. Making mistakes Oh, and this one's a hard one for me. Like personally, I'm a raging perfectionist. So I find I'm, I will literally forgive anyone anything, but very rarely myself. So I had to learn in order to be resilient and persistent, not to beat myself up. You cannot get anywhere without making a mistake. You can't. No. You need to completely reframe failure and mistakes within your mind. It's like, I fell down. What did I learn? How do I get back up? Don't you, wear those shoes again when you're drinking. That's that, what you learn. That, yep. or, or not to have had the seventh tequila <laughs> shot is what I learned. But making mistakes, you know, it's you don't set yourself up to succeed. If when you make a mistake and fall down, you act as though that's the end of the process. You must embrace mistakes as an absolute critical part of the process to get wherever you want to go in any area. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we, as a as a corporate team, we get curious when we make mistakes, don't we? We do. We have a thing we do where we go, wow, we screwed that up. Why did that happen? <laughs> and then when you frame it that way, you take that, that problem-solving approach where you're like, wow, yeah, I really made a mistake there. But you have to forgive yourself and yeah. you have to pick yourself up and move on and make sure that you haven't avoided the learnings around it. Yeah, absolutely. Don't get defensive. Don't blame. Stay above the line. Stay above the line. Yes. You see how these lessons all kind of layer on top of each other. Build on, build on, build. And now your last lesson, do the hard things. You got to do the hard things. It's so easy to give yourself, you know, to go, well, I've had a hard time. I don't need to push myself right now. No, do the hard things because the truth is nothing good happens in your comfort zone. You're just stagnating. It's very Oprah of you. Is it very Oprah? Oh, yeah. Oprah always talks about the magic happening outside of your comfort zone. It's true. Yeah. Your comfort zone is where, I mean, I'm not suggesting that you sit in discomfort perpetually, but it is really important to say, okay, this is this recording, this podcast is outside my comfort zone. For example, do it then. Yep. You know, it's not, don't be below the line and say, but I can't, you know, it's about saying, I'm not good at that yet, or I can't do that yet, and pushing yourself to do it, particularly when it comes to building resilience. I think to build resilience and persistence, you have to be able to do the hard things, go outside your comfort zone, and push yourself. It's very rewarding. It is. I, um, I love that uh, I'm not good at that yet. I'm not good at it yet. Yeah. It's inc- you know they, they, they teach that in year three at school. Do they? Yeah. I make my children say it. So yeah. sometimes my son will say something like, I can't do that. And I just give him a look. And then he goes, yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So um, what do you suggest? Because this was a workshop that we did at a, a recent conference. What do you suggest that people do? Um, if you're listening to this and you want to start to build your own little resistance, res- resilience and persistence, beg your pardon, resilience, um, I would suggest step one, write down what it is that you want to do or achieve. And if you don't have anything you want to do or achieve, that's fine. You can skip that step. Next, I would say write down all of your problems, obstacles, challenges, roadblocks. Make a huge list. Go crazy. And then get two highlighters and highlight the ones you can control and the ones you can't. And put a huge line through the things that you can't control. And just, you need to end up with a list of all the things you can control. Because the thing is, if you focus on what you can control, the amount that you can control and influence actually grows. So the problems get easier when you focus on the components you can control. So you need to make your focus control list. What is it that I can control out of my current situation? And then you need to list three things you're grateful for and your why or your North Star. And put that somewhere where you can see it all the time. Nice. Great advice. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm grateful for? What? I'm grateful that the Bella Vista Hotel has got this awesome podcast room that they are letting us use for free. How good is this? How good is this? How good is it? All right, my friend. Well, I think we might leave it right there and I will look forward to catching up with you next time. Amazing. Can't wait. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.